0: Ask the GMs podcast, episode nine World of Darkness and Vampire the Masquerade. I'm Zach for Ask the GMs podcast. This is a fun podcast where we talk about RPGs, board games, and how to run them and have fun running them. i going
1: to hand off to RC. Hey, everybody. I'm RC. I'm the, the resident OSR cultist. Hopefully, I can help you all join. Um, pass it over to
2: Pat. Hey, everybody. I'm Pat. Uh, I am a Sagittarius. I like long walks on the beach. Um, I, took a <laughs> I took a Vampire Masquerade quiz lately, and uh, I'm a Ventrue, um, if you know what that means. Ian, how about you?
3: Uh, Ian Harper here, and I came up Toreador, Pat. Um, and this is one Toreador that wants to join the OSR cult, RC. So, yeah, I'm there. <laughs> Brian?
4: Hey everybody, I'm Brian and I'm also a Sagittarius. Um, but uh, I was a Bruja in my quiz, so yeah, that's pretty dope. Um, and yeah, definitely down to join whatever RC's peddling. Um, but I uh, also do want to take this time to uh, thank um, Cape Fear Games and Sideboard. Um, awesome place run by awesome folks. They got great products and a great place to learn. Uh, if you mention the podcast, uh, you will actively um, confuse and bewilder whoever's helping you.
3: So, uh, good luck with that.
0: I hope you wouldn't confuse and bewilder some of the staff. know we do do this. So,
3: I thought he was going to work in like a discount thing there, and I was like, "Hold on, is this real?
4: <laughs> is
3: this happening?"
4: Yeah, that, w- that was the point. Um, we're not getting discounts yet, but uh, so that might
3: be bewilder somebody.
0: Brian's got some mm-hmm. secret tech we don't yeah, know. That's about. pretty confident.
3: Well, I just want Brian to know that you, you strung me along right up there till the end. <laughs> mm, good to know.
2: Maybe he isn't a brouhaha. Maybe he's, um, I don't know. What is a clan that would do that, Ian?
3: A Ventru. A
2: Ventru would totally do that. Oh, maybe, maybe he is one of us, Zach.
3: Actually, or a, Lys- a would probably be more likely to do that.
0: Yeah, the Venture's getting paid from it. They might not be doing it.
3: Yeah, the the, the Lasambra just kind of like they like they like to do it to do it. They're, they're kind of the power game. They like to play the power game just to play the power game. Venture like to do it for money. So 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 you're saying me and Zach are greedy, huh? <laughs> no, you just appreciate a good deal. Yeah,
2: that's true. Oh frugal. I definitely am. So no, I didn't uh, say that. <laughs> So uh, who's going to get us started on the, the history of this here game we're talking about today?
3: Well, I was going to start us off with a little disclaimer. Um, the game we're going to be talking about is Vampire the Masquerade. It, it was, was published by a company called White Wolf. That company's not around anymore. Um, I, I think a company called Renegade is publishing it. But one thing to know about this product is um, it is definitely for mature audiences. Um, It definitely requires a mature mind. Uh, I don't know, Zach, should I I read the disclaimer from the book? Oh, you definitely should. Okay, so this is the Vampire the Masquerade disclaimer found on page 18 of the main book. Quote, Vampire the Masquerade is a game. It's a game that requires imagination, effort, creativity, and above all, maturity. Part of maturity is realizing that vampire is only a game and that the situations depicted in the pages are strictly imaginary. If you beat somebody at Monopoly, you don't go out and foreclose on their house. If you sink someone's battleship, you don't go down to the the naval yard and start throwing Molotovs at boats. The same principles apply to any role-playing or storytelling game. In other words, you're not a vampire. (laughs) When a game session ends, put away the books, pack away the dice enjoy the rest of your life and let other people enjoy theirs for the 99.999 plus percent of you who are sufficiently well adjusted not to need such a ridiculous disclaimer disclaimer have fun
2: i would say i'm sure there is some dictator somewhere that might actually sink somebody else's battleship during a game of battle
0: i think that's a perfectly written disclaimer that we could use for many products nowadays and I think it does cover the fact that Vampire the Masquerade is a very mature game and it can also be applied to Call of Cthulhu Call of Cthulhu can have very many mature topics Uh, the Berlin book is all about being a mature adult. You're covering the Weimar Republic, so you're covering the Republic right before the Nazis took over so guess what? The Nazis come up with that book. It was also an era with sex and drug use being very experimental, more experimental than like maybe the Americas of the 60s and 70s. So you have to approach it with a very adult mindset. It's not that you can't have fun or make jokes or be silly. It's that we understand the fact that you're in, in an adult area and you need to think about things with more gravitas behind what you might say or think or do.
3: And, and, and also take that into consideration when... You're planning a game, you know, just read the room, know your audience. Um, we, we talked about uh, a few episodes ago, uh, you guys, we talked about the gamer social contract. That's part of it is knowing your audience, the storyteller, knowing the audience and respecting that. Just from experience,
1: this, this game really toes the line in a lot of places when it comes to that. So definitely double check with players. If you do start playing vampire, that they're OK yeah. with
3: what you have in mind. Absolutely, RC. I completely agree with you because there's just like Zach said, with there's some really touchy subjects in that Berlin book. I'm thinking about the uh, the Harlem, uh, 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 the Harlem campaign. Um, yeah, and, and it's the same with Vampire. There's some very, very graphic things that happen, uh, especially when you start getting into the Sabbat. I know we haven't talked about it yet, but the Sabbat they kind of embrace being the monster. Um. So yeah, it, it's it's just smart to to just kind of keep it in check, you know.
2: Well, and I I think it's in theme with um vampires as a whole because you know at least from the cinematic realm because I've seen um interview with the vampire or Queen of the Damned or any of that or read some Anne Rice books. Whole vampire aesthetic is supposed to be you know maybe they're supposed to be beautiful, alluring. There's the intimacy of you know, the sucking of the blood and all that. So I mean it's gonna be adult content anyways with the setting.
3: Yeah, it's actually interesting you mentioned that, uh, Pat. When I kind of get into character creation, we'll talk about the kiss. That's actually a concept in the in in vampire. It's called the kiss, and you're you're talking about ecstasy and all that. That's definitely oh, a theme yeah. that comes up quite often in vampire is ecstasy and 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 you know you know, pleasures of the flesh, that type of thing.
2: Oh, so that's how they phrase it as the kiss.
3: Okay, that makes sense. Yep. Mm-hmm. White Wolf. Uh, they first published Vampire in 1991, uh, and that's that's super early. Uh, obviously, not D and D early, but that's uh, that's pretty early. Uh, second edition was pretty pretty quickly released in 1992, and that's the edition that you played. That a lot of the people I played with, we we started out on second edition. Um, revised or third edition didn't come out until 1998. Uh, One thing I can say about White Wolf is between 1992 and 98, they came out with a lot of content. Um, By the time I started playing, there was a ton of content Um, and it was affordable because White Wolf had a habit of making really small books. They made really small kind of with the glossy paperback covers like 15 20 bucks a hit it wasn't like 50 dollars, 60 dollars. they were very small content uh very uh focused on like clan books for instance each clan had their own little book and they were tiny they were like 15 bucks each uh very easy on the wallet um then 20th uh 20th anniversary that's fourth edition that came out in 2011 that was called vampire the was either, uh, Zach, was it Vampire the Redemption? I Redemption think that or
0: Requiem one of the two. They
3: completely changed the story in that one. Something like that, yeah. And now we're on 5th edition. That came out, I believe, in 2018. Um, and it seems to be a reboot. Uh, R.C., you were saying it was a reboot kind of of 2nd edition.
1: Yeah, from what you had told me about Requiem, the origin of the vampires had gotten changed in the 20th anniversary. But the new one seems to have jumped back, so it's origin roots where it talks about how Cain is the first vampire, you know, he's the first murderer. It's a story that comes up pretty often in vampire stories. And I I think it's a bit yeah, different.
3: Yeah, so so yeah, I guess Cain Cain because in fourth in fourth edition it's Longinus, the Roman soldier that stabs Jesus on the cross and you know creates the spear of destiny or whatever. Um and RC, you've played some fifth edition, right?
1: I have. I got into one of the curated games that came for games.
3: Nice. And has anybody played 4th edition? Um, uh, Zach, I know you've seen the book, but I don't think you've played it, right? I don't think anyone here has played it. I know, inc- me included, I haven't played it either. I think
0: I played mainly World of Darkness, just the core World of Darkness 4th edition. I've read the Vampire book. I've, I don't own it, but I did physically read it. But no, I never made a
3: character in it. Gotcha. Well, just quick overview of Vampire the Masquerade is is there's a... Um well the world of darkness is like the world we know it's pretty much the same except that monsters are real um anybody who's seen the sh- the show, the show supernatural y- you can tell that they they lean heavily on white wolf material for their stories i wouldn't say they straight rip it off but they you can tell that the folks that made that show probably played this um vampire of the masquerade is there's vampires in society they're hidden they're living among us um and they follow what's called the masquerade the masquerade is we have to walk amongst humans we have to pretend to be humans because we don't want the inquisition to happen again because directly talking about the spanish inquisition there in in the world of darkness that was pretty much started by uh vampires became too well known around kind of dark ages europe um vampires are divided into clans and the clans kind of divide themselves into sex and that's that's kind of how it goes it's very political there's a lot of intrigue it's uh it's a storytelling game it's very cinematic there's not there's not much there's there is combat but it's not combat focused like a lot of other games um rc does this fifth edition seem to hold true to that Uh, did did you guys do a lot of fighting or was it more storytelling and role-playing
1: at least from my experience and just what I did whenever we played and I, I had a face character almost 90% of what I did was either intrigue it was hiding sneaking around getting into places that I shouldn't be in or yeah. talking to people and trying to get them to be swayed over to our side I had a blast with it most of the time I was just trying to keep the rest of the party
3: from getting themselves killed <laughs> I like that um vampire is just one of the titles um the the other title that they came out with, it was close to the end of the series, cl- close to more like 99, 2000, somewhere around there, was Demon the Fallen. And, and that's exactly what you think it is. Uh, demons have escaped from hell. Um, you possess a human. So you, you play a demon that is possessing a human. And you have... The demons are basically... Um, they're 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 basically uh, the the opposite of the heavenly host, um, and they're trying to find Lucifer. Is basically the thing there is they're they're trying to figure out where Lucifer is at. Some of them think that he but be- he betrayed the rebellion and went back to heaven. Some of them think he just like disappeared and like went off in, 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 into hiding. So Demon the Fallen is a pretty good title. Don't know if anybody's seen that one.
0: You can definitely tell that was after the satanic panic. Because oh yeah, they definitely did that. In the late
3: '80s or '70s. Well, you're exactly right, Zach. I meant to, I meant to send you a picture of the book. The cover is straight up. No, if this was, pr- if this book was produced ten years sooner, it wouldn't have happened. <laughs> um, it's, it's got a full blown burning pentagram on the front of it. It looks like a, it looks like something off the cover of Doom. <laughs> um, there's of course other titles. I think everybody's familiar with Werewolf. Uh, have you guys heard of the Werewolf title, Were- Werewolf the Apocalypse?
2: Um, from you, Other than you, no. But um, I have a quick question, Ian, about all these different titles. Now, yeah. is are is it dependent upon the system is, as to whether it's more like uh, fighty versus intrigue? Because I feel like a werewolf title. I don't know. Maybe you would be fighting more.
3: So, yeah, you There's the different titles are basically representative of the creature that you're playing. And yeah, in werewolf you tend to do a lot more fighting. Uh, in fact, Pat, if you were to stack a newly created werewolf up against a newly created vampire, the werewolf would win every time. There's just there's no there's even if you made your vampire purely combat focused, the werewolf would just tear you to shreds. That that's that's kind of what they're made to do is fight.
2: I'm I'm done with this.
3: Okay. Um, there's also mage. Mage introduces magic and the magic traditions. Um, Changeling introduces fairies and the fae. It's exactly what you think it is. Um, And then Wraith introduces like ghosts. Um, Wraith Wraith and Changeling didn't really take off. Those titles didn't really go far. And then there's really random titles like Mummy. Mummy's really cool because um, mummies never really die. They just reincarnate. Um, best way to find to spot a mummy is they don't have a belly button. That's that's how that's how you find out if somebody's a mummy or not. They don't have a belly button, because when they regenerate all their scars heal.
2: So as long as you don't wear a crop top, you're okay.
3: Exactly. Yeah, and you're good to go. <laughs> Your secret's safe with me.
2: <laughs> and uh what was that other one you were mentioning earlier, Zach? It Which was one? um the Frankenstein-esque one where everyone's like Frankenstein monsters. Promethean. Promethean. Yeah, so,
3: hmm yeah, so your flesh golems—you—you've—it's um, it, just exactly your friend. You've been brought to life through like non-traditional scientific means, like Frankenstein. I, I know.
0: It, I know it would probably be a licensing thing, but I'm surprised we never got a Highlander version.
3: Oh, uh, actually, um, there was. It was a bootleg. It was like um, obviously this was before the internet. Uh, a guy, um, a guy in our area, like wrote it up and like printed a bunch of copies and like was like selling it and it made it like pretty far and it it was totally not authorized it was totally bootleg like third party um and and it worked it was actually a really good like when you bought it from the guy it straight up came in a black like three ring one inch binder (laughs) it was like 10 bucks like all all, he's like he's like i'll just print you off a copy 10 bucks and he would mail it to your house so so it did happen it just wasn't licensed (laughs) I love how
2: um hush hush that kinda of is. It's kinda it's pretty neat.
3: It was fun. It was fun.
2: For me, um, yeah, I'm trying to wrap uh, wrap my head around um like what a Wraith campaign would be about or a Promethean campaign, like oh, we're all ghosts, so do we have unfinished business? Or
3: so, so no, actually what most what a lot of people did was you mix the titles up. So Pat's a vampire. Ian's a race. Uh, RC plays a mage and Zach's a werewolf. Um, it obviously wouldn't be like that, but because vampires I, and werewolves don't get along, but that's usually what would happen is there would be a race in the group. There would be a mage. There would be a vampire. Um, that's, that's usually what would happen.
2: That's cool. Okay. Cause I was thinking these settings, you know, you play the book and you're all ghost or you're all, Prometheans, because the, the first imagery that came to mind when it's like, oh, we're all Frankenstein's monsters. is like, oh, you got my leg. Oh, well, you have my uh, arm. I don't know. I thought <laughs> I thought that would be a bit in there. But uh, yeah. mixing definitely sounds fun.
3: Yeah. Now, now, obviously, like an all vampire campaign, that makes sense because vampires can only come out at night. It just makes sense for there to be an all vampire campaign. That's pretty typical, and all werewolf campaign is very typical, but, yeah, Trump but a yeah. but once you start getting into mage, changeling, wraith, mummy, revenant, that kind of thing, you need to start mixing the groups up. You can't have all Prometheans and all mummies, and because mummies mummies are re- really rare. Um revenants are even more rare. A revenant is basically a race that possesses a dead body. and boom, you got a revenant. It's uh, super rare for that to, to happen because most race don't want to go back to the they, they have unfinished business, but they don't want to reclaim the mortal coil, so to speak.
4: So is this um going to like popular culture TV? Is this more like Charmed, Buffy the Vampire Slayer or True Blood?
3: Uh, I'm going to say a mix of all of that. All right. Um, it, when you watch shows like Charmed, Supernatural, uh, Angel, shows like that, like you get you you like. You watch it and you're like, every episode, you're like, we did that once in our campaign. Yep, I did that once. I had a character sort of like that one. (laughs) You're like, you can almost feel like these people played this game before.
2: Well, to me, it sounds like this world of darkness is kind of like, you know, if we look back to Lord of the Rings for our fantasy or high fantasy realm, you know, he's the one that brought the elves and the dwarves and the orcs and the trolls all together in kind of one universe or at least as far as I know so it sounds like the world of darkness brought all these you know spooky monsters all together in one world just like Tolkien did with his work.
3: Yeah no that's that's a really good that's a really good way to put it Pat that's exactly what happened Um, they just kind of and what White Wolf did was they kind of put their own twist on it right because werewolves are not these evil, bloodthirsty monsters. They're actually protectors of the planet. Like they, werewolves uh, are, they, he- they hear Gaia, and Gaia instructs them to protect the planet against what's called the worm. And the worm is basically the devil. And werewolves don't like vampires because vampires are outside of the cycle of life. They're undead. Um, that's where the whole werewolf-vampire like war came from, was white wolf. Um, they made that up, but I mean, before that, it was like Wolfman versus Dracula. Um, so they they just kind of put their own twist on it, um, like with changeling, like with the fairies. That they don't kidnap kids. It's just that changelings and fairies hang around kids mostly because kids aren't boring, and uh, changelings are actually take uh, physical damage when they're in a boring situation. So if you put a changeling to the dmv or the post office they're gonna die that's why the whole changeling kid myth happened is because like changelings like to hang out at at, like daycares and like to hang out in a kindergarten class like they're kindergarten teachers because they love hanging around kids because kids aren't boring and 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 kids like soup them up kids like give them power because they're they just use their imagination for everything so So they what's that
2: I was going to say, so what? You drag a changeling into a library and they just like keel
3: over? Exactly. I remember in one campaign, um, one of the PCs was playing a changeling and just would not cooperate. Uh, and that's what they do. They're, they're there to sow chaos. That's just, that's what they do. So I remember we kidnapped the guy and brought him to the DMV and we paid off the guy. We paid off like the manager of the DMV and we just like kept him in there for an hour until he calmed down. <laughs> Now, Zach, I know you were, um, you were talking about the uh, Underworld uh, lawsuit, the White Wolf lawsuit that they had with Underworld with the movie.
0: Well, no, you talked to me about it more, but you had covered the fact that, yeah, they had basically took them to cleaners over that.
3: Yeah, it was, it was crazy. They, they, that, that lawsuit basically like paid White Wolf's bills for a long time the, the win, the, when, they, when they won that lawsuit. Uh, so what do you guys think about the 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 creature title so far? is there is there what do you guys think so far?
2: Well, I, I, or I have another question about the werewolves as far as yeah. aesthetic. I mean, I know this is all you know in your mind, so it is kind of what you whatever you think. are they are the werewolves more like bipedal? like you know i'm I'm thinking underworld kind of werewolves? Are were we thinking like you know more just large? wolves kind of deal that are stake kind of quadruped
3: so let's say all of the above so werewolves oh. have werewolves have five forms okay so they have hamid which is the human form which is just like us we're like humans and mm. then they have like a, then they have a form that's in between well let me talk about the three big forms the second big form is called Kronos, and that's like full hulk that's like 10 foot tall 15 foot tall Giant werewolf, crazy, like ripping you apart. That's the, the typical okay. werewolf. And then there's Lupin form where I turn into just a wolf where I'm like, I, I could look like I could look like a coyote on the side of the road. So um, they really have all the above. Exactly. And then there's a form in between those. So in between Kronos and human is like, I'm slightly larger. I'm a little bit more hairy. I don't have claws, but like I can kick your butt. Um, and then there's, like, the form between Kronos and Lupin is, like, I'm a giant dog. I'm like a ward from D&D. I'm like a dire wolf. Damn. I like all of it. And, of course, the best thing, Pat, about werewolf is they regenerate damage on everyone's turn. Not just theirs. On everyone's turn. So they're impossible to kill.
2: Sounds like a, a good uh, teammate. Unless you're a vampire.
3: it's terrible. Right right on any anything else what you guys think Brian R c anything
4: um the Fae definitely um you know sticks out to me, uh, but that's uh that's me. Are there a bunch of like different kinds of Fae as well?
3: Yeah, so there's like red caps all the kind of fairy classes that you've seen in lore like the red cap is the one that comes to mind they're kind of uh they're the bruja of the changelings they're the they're the they're meatheads kind of um Brian, one power for changeling sticks out to me and I don't know why, but so for changelings to use their powers, they have to do something ridiculous. And I remember one of them is called captain puff puff. And you have to take three cigarettes that have never been smoked. You have to take all three and smoke them at the same time. And then the power activates. I I don't, I don't know why that's sticking out of my power in my mind, but that (laughs) captain puff puff power sticks out.
4: I know that this, that I that the disclosure and everything, um, but I may or may not have done that in my adult life.
2: <clears> Hello. <throat> <Whoa. laughs> you Brian RFA? Yes.
4: I don't think those are cigarettes, though. This just, <laughs> just gonna, yes, yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, you're right. Maybe not.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so. so- so the fae know how to party, is what we're trying to say, right?
3: That's that's what. In fact, I think one of the fae like types is Seder. I think Seder is one of them. Oh, like, that's what they do is they party. Oh, like, i mean. <laughs> um, the Wraith book. I remember I bought the Wraith book when it first came out, and it glowed in the dark. It had that like, you know, you guys what? remember that re- that really fuzzy material that glowed in the dark like a green. Yep. It was covered in chains, and the chains glowed in the dark. The, the The production value was really cool on that one.
2: Wow, that is a great attention to detail. Yeah,
3: I'm also wondering. RC, uh, RC Zach, what about? Oh, Pat. Oh, sorry, Pat. What were you going to say?
2: Uh, just RPing a mummy. That seems just so strange to me.
3: So the only mummy I ever played was in a LARP, a live action role playing game. I I larped a mummy. Mummies are very powerful. And very, um, I think I was, I think I was a major NPC in that game. I wasn't even a PC because mummies aren't really intended to be a PC class. They, they wield a tremendous amount of power. Uh, they have a, the one power I had was, you could, you, you take a crystal, and you enchant it, and as long as you hold that crystal, you can look through the crystal and you basically get true seeing, like think D and D, like think true sight. As long as you're looking through that crystal, you see everything. You see, if people are lying to you, you see illusions. You you can just, you see everything as it truly is that they're, and, and they have just, they have some, they can take out mummy, they can take out werewolves, vampires, they can counterspell mages. They're just super powerful.
2: He's kind of demigod status almost. They
3: are, they, they really are. They They kind of are demigods, yeah.
1: I think aside from just Vampire the Masquerade in general, just because I had a blast with it when I started getting into it and looking into the different um, clans that you could be a part of, I I really want to touch on Promethean at some point just just so that I could play a a uh, uh, not a mummy uh, a manufactured creature of darkness.
3: Yeah, that was a that was a book that we never did buy. I think that one came out a lot later. Um, and I, I, I heard about it. Never did get to play that one, though, unfortunately. Um, when we uh, had our games going on, we usually played at a comic book store in uh, High Point, North Carolina. And we actually had two storytellers. We had a vampire storyteller who focused mostly on vampire, but he also did some mage and some wraith. Um, and then we had another storyteller that was focused pretty much only on werewolf. And what we would actually do, Pat, this kind of goes to what you were talking about. We would actually do crossover stories where both storytellers would be there and they would kind of collaborate with each other. And there would be vampires on one side of the table and werewolves on the other side. And there was also a mage there. Uh, Sometimes I played a mage in that game sometimes. Um, Yeah, so that was that was always fun. But when you have multiple storytellers, Zach, RC, I don't know if you guys have ever been in that kind of situation where you've been like co-storyteller. It, it can get a little weird. You, they they kind of start. They kind of start to argue sometimes, and um, it, it was fun overall. But sometimes they would get into fights, and it was kind of awkward.
4: Were, I, I was just going to ask, where the fights over uh, Suki Stackhouse?
3: <laughs> that would make it all worth it, wouldn't it?
4: I'm sorry. I'll, I'll stop making True Blood references. <laughs>
2: You only beat us two, us Brian, because I was about to go. It's yeah. Okay.
3: It's okay. I, I felt that coming. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was about to happen. I mean, we've kind of we've been pretty good. We ha- we've been behaving ourselves. Um, I I almost did a Twilight reference earlier, but I I, I stopped myself.
3: That's okay. That we're going to forgive you. <laughs> um, something um, else, Pat. Something else, Pat. You made me think of uh, when you were asking me about you know, is everybody a wraith? Something else Mm -hmm. we would do is when one of our friends would buy a new book. So like, I remember when the mage book first came out and then I bought the wraith book and what we would do is we would sit down the next Saturday and we would all make a character for that series. And so we would actually end up having a pool of like six or seven or eight characters. And every time we would play, we would just say, Oh, I think I want to play my werewolf today. Or, Hey, I think I want to play, my Ravenos today or something like that. So you, you weren't only, you know, uh, I guess pigeonholed into one character.
2: Okay. That's fun. A little bit of rotation of things.
3: Um, in fact, a funny story I can, I can remember is my mage. Uh, we'll call him wizard Ian cause I can't remember his name. So we'll just call him wizard Ian for lack of a better term. <laughs> um, I was, uh, I was on the side of the vampires. So, I, I hung out with, uh, with the... We had three vampires PCs in this particular story, and there were two werewolf PCs, and they were trying to hunt us all down. And it was kind of a cat and mouse game. This was one of those co- co-storytelling games I told you guys about. Mm-hmm. And one of the powers that werewolves have is they can travel in and out of what's called the Umbra. And the Umbra is like the mirror world. So they can jump through any reflective surface and like go into like the elemental plane. Oh, um, that's, that's it, for a werewolf. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a werewolf power. I mean, it could be a it could be a puddle on the street. It could be a mirror in the bathroom. Um, anything that has a reflective surface, they can use it as a portal to get in into and out of the Umbra. So, uh, I, I knew this was going to happen. It, it was raining and the alleyway was flooded, and I was like, "Cool, when is the werewolf going to jump out of the mud of the puddle at me?" And it happened. And I turn around, and what wizards, what mages can do in World of Darkness is they basically alter reality, kind of like think uh, Scarlet Witch. Okay. Um, yeah, think like Scarlet Witch from Marvel. Um, what I, d- <laughs> I I paid the price for this, and I'll tell you how I paid the price later. But I, I turned this guy into a lawn chair, man. I straight up turned him into a foldable lawn chair and put him in a pile <laughs> of trash on the, in the alleyway under a dumpster. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That is very you got, strange. You got, now, you got no respect. On Ian, if you will.
3: Yeah, and let me tell you the price for that. <laughs> Whenever mages use their power, they rack up what's called Paradox, and Paradox is bad. Um, think about, uh, y- you guys know like nuclear weapons, right, and nuclear waste. Think about Paradox as nuclear waste. Like when, oh. when, I, when I launch the nukes, there's like nasty fallout. So uh, what happened? What happened was, is everybody's clock started running backwards. Anything that was made out of glass and like a twenty foot radius of me turned back into sand. The bricks and the mortar in the buildings started to regress into their like base components. So like basically time was like rewinding. It because was, I went
2: was being unmade, right?
3: Exactly. I went to the. I went too far, basically.
2: Damn. Well, that's that's yeah. cool that their magic system had um, some sort of repercussions as well.
3: Yeah, and it's um, and on the flip side, um, one of the things that you can take as a mage is a familiar, and familiars can eat paradox, so they can get rid of that waste for you.
4: Oh, that's handy dandy.
3: Yeah. So thoughts so far, guys. What do you think?
4: It's incredibly in depth. Um, I I really only looked looked up a lot of stuff about um, the masquerade, so. Um, a lot of this is new information and it sounds super fun.
3: Well, and that's the cool thing, Brian, is the way White Wolf set this up was very modular. Like if you just wanted to play vampire, that's perfectly fine. Like you only need one book. Um, and I remember the main book was like $25, I think. Um, so I just remember White Wolf being very easy on the wallet. They respected your time. They respected your space at the table. Very fun. Very good system. All right. So um, did anyone play the card game? They had a, vam- it was first, it was called Jihad. And then due to the implications of, I guess, the word Jihad, they changed it to Vampire the Eternal Struggle. And it was made by your boy, Richard Garfield, the same guy that made magic. Anybody, did anybody ever play that one? Mm, I,
2: I can't say that I had, but yeah, that, that name wouldn't have tracked very well in uh,
3: the time. Modern specifically, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a- around ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. With them particularly,
3: <laughs> so that was kind of a PR thing, and they kind of changed it up. Um, for me, um, and RC, you might be kind of surprised to hear this, but um, for me, Vampire: The Eternal Struggle took over Magic for me. Like, I, I kind of almost stopped playing it when I started playing Vampire: The Eternal Struggle.
1: I, I would imagine it. Wouldn't be that big of a jump. There's actually something that there's another card game that I don't think is specifically related to the Masquerade, but it's like in a similar vein <laughs> that uh came out not that re- not that long ago, and it's starting to replace Magic for some people as well. So I could see that wouldn't be that much of a jump.
3: Oh, is it kind of have a same like a similar theme? Do you what's the name of it?
1: I don't know if if you ask Josh at Cape Fear, he he'll, he'll be able to tell you. He was trying to show it to uh, me and Zach whenever I was in the curated game. Oh, that's cool. Um, I, I will say that I um I have played a video game
2: that I didn't know it fell under this whole World of Darkness umbrella that, uh, that I'm kind of learning about. It was called Hunter the Reckoning. It came out in, I think, 2002 or 2004. It was on the original Xbox. And, you know, I, I was talking to somebody about it one day. And I was like, "Hey, I I played some Hunter of the Reckoning." And they're like, "Oh, there—that's in Vampire Masquerade." I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." And they believed I had, was playing the tabletop RPG whenever I was, in fact, playing. You know, it was an action RPG, kind of like Diablo esque. And that's that's kind of when I found out about Vampire the Masquerade even existing.
3: So, Pat, that was a book too. Uh, where you played a mortal? You played a mortal with basically superpowers.
2: Um, you know, yeah. In the video game, I was playing like um, a trench coat wearing priest that had like an automatic crossbow, and he carried uh, a sword with a um, a cross for in hilt.
3: Yeah, that tracks. That's uh, most hunters get their power from God. Um, you can get it from other places, but usually it's faith based. Uh, so not God particularly. There could be like you know a Muslim hunter. There could be a Jewish hunter. There could be a. Yeah. Uh, a Shinto hunter from Japan that like, just as long as you, as you really truly believe in your faith um, and you, you get a calling from your deity, you can become a hunter.
2: Okay. So that's the, uh, the, the goody two shoe hu- humans against the darkness kind of thing.
3: Well, or actually not- what, well, what usually ends up happening? And we had a couple of games kind of later on in, in our tenure of, of playing the series we, what usually ends up happening is like the hunter usually ends up teaming up with the lesser of two evils. Yeah. So it's like okay. it's like oh it's like okay, I'm going to team up with the two crazy werewolves because this vampire is just way out of control. You know what I mean? So it's something like that.
4: Well, and, and you have to think like not all religion/deities are 100% um loving of all. I mean, think about like Norse paganism. Yeah, that's true. You know, uh, Loki is my is 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 my uh, you know, the one that's speaking to me. That might
3: get a little crazy, exactly. <laughs> and then you might attract those Malkavians. They might come and embrace you. <laughs> come join the hive mind. It's fun. Exactly. Oh, RC's been reading about the Malkavian Madness Network. Oh yeah,
1: the the vampire hive mind where they're still trying to uh. Are they? They're trying to seek out Malkov. Yeah, like, Ma- oh, Malkov.
3: But- the, yeah, At- the Antediluvian. Oh. Yep. It's a uh, uh, RC. What would you call it? The uh, the Internet before the Internet.
1: Well, yeah, they they started doing it back in like the Roman era, if I'm not mistaken. All the Malkavians
3: yep. started talking to each other. And what's funny about it is, whenever the Malkavians do anything, they always do it in unison, yep. and nobody can nobody can figure out how. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so the the Malkavians are really weird the way that they. So all the clans have like different ways of like setting up meetings, but the Malkavians are called to a place, and whatever Malkavians happen to be nearby, they all get drawn to it one way or another at about the same time. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, it's the calling. We must all be here."
3: It's good stuff. It's good stuff. In in madness, there's clarity. We know that from Call of Cthulhu.
0: Thank you for joining us with Ask the GM's
3: podcast.
0: Part two of Vampire the Masquerade will start shortly. Thank you and have a great
3: evening.